Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly World Cup Edition. What's this, volume three? Volume four? Technically four, I suppose, of the preview show. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and uh, once again, I'm joined by Mr Jeremy Smith. Jess, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah. Good. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, apart from the obvious, which we're going to get into uh, <laughs> shortly. In fact, we'll get into it right away, shall we? We're uh, we're here a day after the dust has settled on the final group game. And it ended in, in a defeat, a 1-0 win for Tunisia. I'm going to take full responsibility for the winning goal scored by none other than Ligue 1's own Wabi Kazri. After praising Ligue 1 players at the World Cup, it was clearly my fault that this happened. And um, by the way, to BBC, uh, he actually does play in France and has done for quite a while, not just Sunderland. Just an FYI <laughs> there. Um, anywho, yeah, let's um, let's sort of go bit by bit on this one, Jez. First of all, before we get into the performance and indeed the lineup, it doesn't really matter, does it, this result? And we'll go on to what's sort of come out of the last minute shenanigans in a second. But overall, the group was won, the job was done, that rhymes. What's your sort of verdict on just the overall? Does does it affect anything? Does it change anything as we head into the next stage? I think that, you know, Deschamps has always kind of said there's sort of two tournaments. You get through the group stage and then it's a new tournament. And particularly considering all the disruption that, that came beforehand, I think to win the first two matches, um, I was going to say relatively comfortably. Obviously, in both there was sort of, were a bit of a scare in the first one and the second one, Denmark, you know, it was, it was a late winner, but I thought France were comfortably the better team. Um, so I think, you know, no criticism with that. And Deschamps and France earned the right to rest a few players. I think probably he's kind of onto a little bit of a hiding to nothing. Like, you, you know, how many players do you rest? If you, if you play too many of the first team, people are saying, why are you playing them? Um, or, you know, if one of them gets injured, everyone will say, well, you shouldn't have played him. So you make loads of wholesale changes and then everyone has a go at you for disrupting the team too much. But yeah, the bottom line is that uh, we're through top of the group and yeah, the new tournament starts on Sunday. The only, the only sort of, I suppose, sort of more general negatives that come out of it are, you know, squad spirit is very important. You need to keep everyone happy, whether they've got a good chance of playing or not. And you also need to uh, kind of keep certain first teamers on their toes in terms of like, you know, competition or so. You know, yesterday was a great chance for a lot of sort of fringe players or second string players or frankly let's be honest third string because because mm. of the injuries to really stake a claim and and frankly none of them did so my only concern is firstly that it's just shown that there's such a gulf between the first team and those who played yesterday that firstly it could really hit the morale of those who played badly yesterday and maybe they won't be sort of as positive within the squad as they could be. And secondly, because of that golf, maybe there might be one or two players within the first team who could get complacent. And when I say one or two people, I basically 100% mean Dembele. 
<laughs> naturally. What, what did you make of? And the... I'll get back to him later. But... Yeah, of course. Um, what, what did you make of of the lineup? Because, like you say, Didier Deschamps did sort of say that he was going to rotate. There's so much to delve into here. So I, I think, like, rather than going through individual performances like one by one, if we take it as a bit of a collective, you know, Kamavinga at left back, um, Disasi came into the side. We saw Fafana, uh, Kolomwani, Veratu, Gunduzi, and Mandanda all come in. Um, I guess probably the, the two that stood out for the work was for the wrong reasons the most would would be Veratu um and I, I would argue I would argue Kamavinga but not so much uh, on on his I, I don't feel it was his fault as such I mean it's clearly playing out of position but it just exposed the fact that there is a shortage in that position and if anything happens to Teo like you said on the previous pod we are in in severe stuck here but yeah what did you make of that I mean I get it. I get why they would leave out so many players. But then the other argument is so many of the, of the, the bigger names came on as subs later on in the game. You know, we saw Dembele, Griezmann, Mbappe, Rabio, and Saliba got some minutes. They all came on. So it's like, well, if, if you didn't really care about the result, why even bring them on? Just just literally throw it and say we're playing the reserves and that's that. I think, first of all, I would not single out. I certainly wouldn't single out Kamavinga. And it's interesting, there's two very different ways of looking at his performance, um, but we can look at that in a sec. Vera too, I thought was awful, but to sort of put him above Guendouzi and Fafana, I think is very, is relatively harsh on him and very generous to the two of them. Mm. Um, I thought Guendouzi was atrocious and Fafana, I mean, the way he let, but basically the goal was because of him and and uh, not just because of him, but mainly down to him. And the way he gave that ball away or didn't fight for it, genuinely, I think it's the kind of thing that Deschamps would possibly drop him from future squads now. I reckon that must have made Deschamps so furious. But generally, I think the only, the only sort of, not consolation, the only uh, kind of, I can't think of it, mitigating factors and, and way that I could sort of defend some of the players and their performances. It's that firstly, when you make nine changes, it's, you know, it's different if it's one or two players coming into a settled team, it's probably a lot easier to, to, to come in and, and there's more sort of, um, again, same word as the other day, automatism, like players around you are used to playing with each other and you're just slotting into a system when there's nine changes, there's no system to slot into. And that's exacerbated when you're playing a lot of people out of position. So Genduzi is a central midfielder, but he was played slightly to the left. Fafana is a central midfielder, but was played more to the right. Um, Disazi has, you know, in his, I think, last match for Monaco played right back. But apart from that, doesn't play right back. Kamavinga, of course, is just not a left back. So... Deschamps didn't do some of those players any favours. And certainly in the case of Kamavinga, he's just kind of highlighted his own sort of probably mistake in only bringing two left-backs, one of whom obviously it's not his fault, but got injured very quickly, which leaves him with just one. Um, Pavar, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but for Disazi to be picked against Pavar is such a slap in the face to him. And, you know, 
Deschamps basically said I made the call that you know mentally he wasn't in the right place but I don't know what why I don't know what if anything in particular has happened but I just think it's very very harsh if it was just due to the Australia match I think it's even harsher like we said before I think Pavar has been messed around by Deschamps as much as the other way around um and then there's also reports that certain players and Dembele was named um, have been sort of publicly criticising Pavar. Well, I genuinely, you know, as good as he was against Denmark, I think Dembele can go fuck himself because, you know, the one player that Pavar needed to give him a bit of support in the first match was the right, you know, the player playing wide on the right in front of him against Australia that happened to be Dembele who gave him no support whatsoever so for him to then turn around and be the sort of you know leader of the kind of pack against Pavar I think is is a disgrace um and you know any sort of positive feeling that I had for him after Denmark has pretty much gone out the window um I still think he's more trouble than he's worth um but yeah so generally I thought the midfields in particular were absolutely atrocious, mm. but there were some mitigating circumstances. But what I don't know what what got to me was I don't think it was just about bad positioning. It was just there seemed to be no no hunger. I mean, mm. Tunisia were I don't think they were sort of you know rabid dogs at war or anything like that. Obviously, they were up for it, and obviously they're up, more up for it than France, but. They weren't like flying into tackles or anything like that. Yet they were winning not just 50-50s, they were winning sort of 40-60s. Mm. Um, and I just, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a proper dereliction of duty in the midfield, exacerbated by the fact that Coman had a poor game, although there were a couple of times where he made good breaks, looked up, and there was no one anywhere near him. Mm. Um, Varane had a pretty shaky game, which is worrying. Yeah, I'm and, worried about that. I mean... I still think Konate's good game yesterday was an accident rather than the norm. And I worry that Deschamps will now go Konate Upamecano. He's our man, yeah. But we'll see. I think, you know, Varane, I thought, looked excellent against Denmark. But yeah, very shaky yesterday. I thought the fullbacks were not helped by the fact that every time they had the ball, they had no out ball. Again, I think that was a lot down to the midfield. Camavinga is bizarre. Like he was so obviously not a left back. He was so often out of position. He was turned a lot. Yet his stats, like I think he had 117 touches, the most um, uh, sort of regaining of possession, possibly the most passes into the final third. So it was a really bizarre match. I mean, he got eight out of ten on who scored, who were very much based on stats. So it shows how you know lies down lies in statistics I guess um yeah 117 touches 18 duels won 11 tackles six clearances three interceptions that looks fantastic yeah he also looked like he was having a mare so it was a very strange performance by him but yeah but I thought Mondonda wasn't great didn't inspire any confidence with you know punching when he had an easy catch wasn't quick out of the goal for the goal yeah um, punching yeah I agree and I thought the only players who came out with any credit were Konate. Um, although he's one of those ones where I feel like his last-ditch tackles were great, but often they were last-ditch tackles because he wasn't in a great position. He wasn't in the right place. place you know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Kolomuani, who I thought if the midfield had shown the sort of heart and desire of Kolomuani, France would have won that quite easily. 
Mm. Um, and then in terms of the sort of first team is coming back on, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it was funny. They kept showing Deshaun and they kept showing a particular guy in the crowd who sort of, you know, like Del Boy had his necklace outside his France shirt. And the two of them looked like, you know, they were a goal down in the, in the World Cup final. I'm not really sure why they look so tense but I guess you just want to keep a sort of winning or not losing dynamic going whoever you're putting out there and and so I kind of get it well I just find weird I don't know to what part of me thinks if you're going to play your first team as a tool but you want to rest them maybe give them an hour or a half and then rest them but then is that more of a slap in the face to the second team you know, if you're going to play the second teamers, maybe it's better to start them and bring the others on. But mm. it was just so, uh, you know, so blatant when those three, four first teamers came on, especially, I know I'm going to say it yet again, but especially Griezmann. I mm. think France had like four chances in the first 80 minutes. No, two chances. Can't remember, whatever, it was bad. And then they had eight chances in the last 10 minutes. Mm. And uh, yeah. Griezmann and Mbappe obviously were pretty much at the heart of all of them. Yeah. So I think I think like for my five pence worth, I agree with everything you said there, and I f- I personally feel like momentum's a big thing in in football, and whether it's France, whether it's you know Arsenal or Lorient or whoever, whatever club I'm watching, when you are playing in a, a lesser tournament or a game a meaningless friendly or whatever. I just, I just feel like momentum is such a huge part of, of any team, and especially in tournament. And I, and I feel like it can have the adverse effect because, like you said there, some of those players that have come in yesterday, okay, you could say, well, they didn't perform. It's their opportunity. They blew it, so now they won't stay in. But also that can have a real effect on the players that are the first choice because they know now they have to perform. And we'll come on to you know the the, the last 16 game in a minute. But... They all those players that know that they'll come back into the first team now, there's no real pressure on them because they know that the players behind them were clearly not good enough on the day to stake their case. Whereas if you come out of that Tunisia game, regardless of the result, um, you have two or three players perform to a high level, at least then if you're Didier Deschamps, you've got a decision to make. Whereas if you go in there this morning, um, you know, you literally sit in front of them and go, right, okay, well, thanks for yesterday, guys. Uh, back to cones and bibs you go first team come back on sunday so that that's the concern i think you want pressure the the one thing i would say i don't know what your thoughts are but i feel like we have to mention it the the end of the game when when grisman seemed to have equalized and then there was this long drawn out affair do you feel a little bit like france is sort of dare I say, feeding the stereotype of being, you know, whingers and holier than thou by challenging this decision? Because apparently there's this ruling that if, if the game kicks off, it can't be deemed a, you know, a VAR decision or, you know, they can't go back to the, the, the VAR system. And that's clearly what happened yesterday. And France have, have put forward a complaint and, and are filing for the result to be changed. Some people just say, let it go. And other people are saying, actually, no, they've got every right to do this. Where do you stand on that? Do you feel like it's a little bit, you know, a little bit whingy, or do you feel like it's a it's a legit a legit gripe at this point? Um, a little bit of both. Oh, first of all, like on the decision itself, I think it's 
okay i understand it and it's a subjective thing but i think it's a ridiculous decision like he's like yeah he's offside um when sure many first puts in the cross but he's miles onside by the time the your defender puts in a really poor header. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I thought it was a bad decision and it's the usual thing, you know, if that needs to be referred to VAR and for them to take five minutes, then just give the decision on the pitch the benefit of the doubt. But that's kind of a separate thing. Then, you know, it's not the first time France have been hard done by like that. It's the same when Zidane got sent off in 2006. You know, the right decision was come to, but in the wrong way. Mm. Um, here as well, you know, if rules are rules and rules are supposed to be kept to, then the ref got it wrong and France should have the draw. But they're still top of the group. It doesn't change the performance. All it changes is sort of the history books or, you know, Griezmann's got 41 goals instead of 42. It's a shame. Um, but... And certainly, you know, his performances so far have merited uh, a goal or whatever. But I feel like it's a little bit churlish. You know, if it's to just highlight the point that a mistake was made, then fine. But to appeal the decision just seems a little bit, a little bit churlish. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And for those who who don't know, I'm sure everybody everybody does know. But if they didn't, uh, Australia were the, the other team to come through the group uh, against all odds and. You know, you and I were both concerned about France maybe sort of dropping a, a ball, so to speak, in the group stages and and tumbling out. And it turns out it was Belgium who... Uh, Belgium, sorry, I've got Belgium on the mind after this afternoon. They've also gone out. Um, it was Denmark, and a lot of people had them as, as a dark horse. So it just goes to show if you're not on your game for those three group games, or at least two of them anyway, you're, uh, you're up the creek. And that's what happened in Australia advance as a result yeah, i mean as you said like momentum is important but france mm. did the hard work and sort of i guess sort of the first team merited a day off i think you know certain players and bappe obviously would have played if it wasn't yeah. for his sore ankle i feel very very sorry for marcus turam who clearly would have started but it was mm. ill um and yeah as you said as you said, like now there's no pressure, but Deschamps wasn't to know that. The point of this match is for these players to step up and pressurise the first team. So I think it's harsh to sort of criticise Deschamps for making those changes because the players didn't step up to the plate, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And as someone pointed out, um, I think you've forgotten his name now. The guy who, Nzonzi, um, was... You know, the same thing happened in the last World Cup where France were pretty bad against Denmark in the final match of the group when they played all their subs. And Nzonzi was, I think he got three out of 10 in L'Equipe. And he came on for a struggling Conte in the final and was superb against Croatia. So it's not necessarily that their performance yesterday is set in stone anyway. But obviously what you'd hope is that it's like when they played Denmark in 98 and people like Putti and Vieira really stepped up and, um, you know, pushed their way into, or Putti was in the team anyway, but Vieira sort of pushed his way closer to the first team reckoning and obviously ended up coming on in the final and setting out the th- setting up the third goal. So it can go either way. It's easy to criticise Deschamps for what he got wrong afterwards, but mm. I do understand his thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think 
it's kind of a no-win situation, isn't it? To a degree, it's it's kind of if, if they win it, nobody says a thing. What happens, happens, and everybody goes off, maybe slightly off the deep end. But where we are and where, where we head to now is is the last 16. Um, I don't think France could have asked for... I don't want to jinx it, but I don't feel like they'll be overly concerned about a team that, uh, that has got through with I think it's three shots on target to get through the group, then that team being Poland. I, you know, I don't want to disrespect them, but I'm going to disrespect them at the same time. They were bloody awful in the group stages. Um, have somehow crept through literally by the skin of their teeth. At one point, I think Mexico just needed a goal or if they conceded that, that was them out. I think I'd rather play Poland than, than Mexico just because it's sort of familiarisation of a European rival and essentially Poland have got a couple of good players and, you know, I mean, Gregor Krakowiak is still in their centre of midfield, for goodness sake. So do you feel like that is a game that, I'm not saying France are going to breeze through because we know it's World Cup football, anything can happen, but it couldn't have gone much better in terms of the draw at this stage, could it, for, for a last 16 game? Yeah, I think it's I think it's decent. I mean, I do think France probably would have the edge over Argentina, but you still wouldn't particularly want them second round, mm. um, especially when you've got McAllister carrying Messi as well as he did last night. Um, and yeah, I think Mexico probably more tricky on paper. So yeah, it's not a bad draw, but mm. you know, Poland, Poland have got probably their strengths for the kind of things that France struggle with, which is a, you know, very, very tight, well-organised defence. Yeah. And they're good on set pieces and France are not good at defending set pieces. So um, it's not the worst matchup in the world for Poland either, but France have got to start as favourites, but then they were favourites against Switzerland last year as well. So, um, yeah, hope, you know, wary about being too overconfident but France should should be relatively I was going to say comfortable they should be confident that they should be able to win this yeah yeah I think as you say anything can happen you know it takes a, a and they have got still one of the best centre forwards in the world yeah oh yeah absolutely and, and and we you know we're judging off off the back of what we saw yesterday um but as you said as you rightly point out there the big guns will be back for this you would imagine it will be full strength barring any injuries um i know Mbappe sort of got a bit of a dicky ankle at the moment but suggest he'll be back in uh, yeah i mean yeah i'm not no games are easy but you would think that this this should be they, they sh- they're world champions they should be going into this as favorites let's be honest is there a a game that you and again don't want to get ahead of ourselves but is there a game that you particularly worry about if France get past Poland I mean I think I believe it's England or Ghana next isn't it if if um oh is it Senegal sorry I get England Senegal. playing Senegal, Senegal I, haven't, I haven't even looked at the draw I don't know I, th- I think I'm right in saying that that that's what happens I know that I know that France are on the same side of the draw as as Portugal Germany Spain and and England so that would be the side of it. They can't play Argentina until the final of reading somewhere. So I believe that rules that but out. But Germany and Spain wouldn't be on the same side, would they? Um, they're in the same group. I think. I think it's as in depends on who gets through in that group tonight. Okay. So if if one of the, one of those two gets through, which there's no guarantees of that, of course. But as, you know, what I'm like I'm pessimistic about everyone. <laughs> but yeah. um, Senegal, 
very, you know, we know what's happened between them in the past. So mm. I'd be worried about that. Um, England, I think, are exactly the kind of team that France would really struggle against. Same kind of yeah. thing, very boring, but with a striker that can score from nothing. Um, or not, as the case may be at the moment. But yeah, I'll take your point. <laughs> yeah. But enough other people. I mean, it's interesting that I'd say France's first team is probably stronger than England's, but because of all the injuries, England have got a, a stronger squad. Mm. So, you know, some, some, it may depend a little bit on, on, you know, whether everyone's still fit by the quarterfinal. Yeah. And, and do you, do you feel like as we, as we head into this, this last 16 game, is it, I'm not saying they haven't performed well to this point, because as you've already said, they did outperform Denmark, in my opinion, and, and they were good against Australia after the, the initial setback. But is this an opportunity now for them to go into this game and really put, you know, not when I say put pole into the sword, I'm not saying like win 12 nil or something stupid, but is this an opportunity for them just to remind everybody, you know, they are the world champions now and, and just restore that little bit of confidence by going into this game and, and putting it out of reach early, you know, getting the, the job done, so to speak, rather than sort of having to play their way into games. You, you kind of like to see them put on a really, a really good performance in this game and you as well as get through, of course. It would be nice to, but just want to get through. I mean, you know, you don't want them to sort of be overconfident going into the next match. Um. Yeah, I mean, the last World Cup sort of probably how you'd kind of expect it to go for a World Cup winner. Not fantastic in the group stage, but did enough. A couple of the players sort of were, Griezmann again, was sort of managed to kind of relatively cruise through the group stage and not be needed so that he was kind of, you know, back on, on top form by the by the knockout stages. And then they sort of, I think, went through the gears um, in the knockout stage, obviously the the second the second round match against Argentina is kind of the highlight match, just because it was a seven goal thriller. But I think they played that you know that was down to two or three flashes of brilliance. But they probably played better as a team against Uruguay and then again against Belgium. And then the final was kind of a kind of cutthroat performance. So they were sort of confident in being able to hold them at bay in defence and um, rip them apart on the break. So that's sort of how you expect a World Cup winning team to progress. I think so far France have been, looked better in the group stage, despite sort of finishing with, and it's the same number of points, isn't it? But um, they probably look better in the group stage this time than last time. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and yeah, I think at, at this stage, a, a nice performance would be nice, but as long as it speaks to uh, you know something that's that's going to keep getting better, I don't want them to peak in this round. I need to come out to England in the next round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree with you there. Just looking at the brackets, actually. As you said, England, Senegal, France, Poland. So the winners of those two games would play each other. And then, yeah, the other side of the um, of the bracket is Morocco, uh, and then the other two spaces will be filled by, or the other three spaces will be filled by tonight's games, I believe, because you've got Croatia above. So yeah, so um, it could potentially be 
who's playing tonight? Is it two? It's two sets of games tonight, isn't it? Japan, Spain, or Germany um, would play Morocco in that second stage. So, yeah, I mean, it's all. You'd think Germany. You'd think, yeah. And then as you as you as you look on the other side of the draw, I mean, Netherlands, USA. You would expect Netherlands to get through that, but you know, USA played pretty well the other night. Argentina against Australia again. You would expect Argentina. I've got um, a feeling about that one. Argentina, Australia. Yeah. Mm. Be very interesting if they were to get through that one. Um, and then you've got, obviously, you've got the Brazilians to come through yet, of course, as well, which which would be concerning. I feel like at this stage, like you said, it is game by game. Um, and I think, you know, that, that Poland game is is an opportunity to to lay down a marker. But I, I'm, I must admit, I'm, I'm not keen on playing England. <laughs> Stress that for a number of reasons. But... Um, you know, and again, we're not we're not getting ahead of ourselves yet. We've got to get past the game with with Poland first. But yeah, I, I don't know. There's just just something in the back of my mind that goes, I don't really want to play England. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if they were to get through that, you know, the likes of sort of Portugal, um, I mean, even Morocco, it wouldn't be an easy tie. They they look good today, and they've been impressive in that group stage. So it is all all to play for. Just. Um, Final question. Would you make any changes? Obviously, we know that the first team are going to come back, but would you be tempted to change up what we would class as the, the best or strongest 11, um, even <laughs> putting a Dembele dislike aside? Would you be or tempted banish to... banish Dembele from the squad. <laughs> Send him home. <laughs> would, um, would you do anything different, do you think? No, I think... I mean, Varane, I think... He, I think he knows what kind of state he's in physically and mentally. I think I'd let him make, genuinely, I'd let him make the call whether he's ready to play or not. Hmm. If he is, then I think you've got to play him alongside with Pamecano. I mean, it's harsh on Konate, but I did think they were very, but they're both very good together against Denmark. Hmm. Um, look, right back, I would, I would go Pavar ahead of Kunde, but clearly that's not going to be the case. So, Kunde. Um, and yeah, the rest of it, I would keep the same. I think, again, in, in future matches, maybe it would be different. But I think Poland will kind of be similar to Australia, um, sort of compact, well-drilled defence. Um, and so I think you need sort of those those different kind of attacking tools. So, you know, mm. Giroud, but also your Dembele's. Yeah. <laughs> For this one, I'd keep it the same. Yeah, yeah, I think I would as well, and I just feel like Poland are there for the taking. I really do. Like I say, no, no games are easy in the World Cup, and it, it's not an arrogance thing. It's just a based upon what I saw last night, um, a team that literally sat behind the ball for the entire ninety minutes and only and only started to play in terms of just trying to keep the score down once they knew they were really up the creek. Um, you know. <laughs> They were just so bad. Like I just, I just feel like an early goal, and and this should be fairly comfortable for France. But the longer it goes, if it is one of those nil nils with twenty minutes to go, that's when you start looking over your shoulder at Lewandowski, who can produce something out of nothing, and then you know that's that's panic mode. But I guess the other way is I don't think Port Poland could play any worse than they have done in the group stage. So I suppose there's that argument as well. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's sort of a separate tournament. They've got they've got through mm. and uh, a new sort of tournament starts now yeah yeah absolutely 
Absolutely. Well, we will we will be across it, of course. Naturally, we will cover that game. Um, I don't know exactly when we are going to record again because, like I say, it's going to be a weekend game, which um, is a little bit tougher for us to to sort of find the time to put something together. Uh, kickoff is three pm on Sunday, so it may well be that we come to you on Monday. Um, unless, of course, it's like a nine nil thrashing and we get very excited, but um, it will probably be on the Monday and. The England Senegal game is a seven o'clock kickoff on the Sunday as well, so we'll know the outcome of uh, both who France or Poland will play in the quarterfinals. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? That in like basically two weeks we'll be done. It's, it's weird how the group stages seem to be game every day, and then all of a sudden it's kind of uh, all all finished in two weeks. But um, we'll keep fingers crossed, of course, and uh, we'll look forward to that last sixteen game on the Sunday. Um, Jess, been good to speak to you again. Uh, hopefully, we will have a little bit more positive stuff to talk about after this game on on Sunday. But uh, I guess from our perspective, we'll just just sort of keep our fingers crossed that we get through it in comfortable fashion, right? Yeah, I think so. Look, you know, hopefully tomorrow won't have any effect on anything else the rest of the World Cup, and then you know, in the future, some of these players have now made their World Cup debuts. They've had a tough sort of christening or whatever the right word is and and um it might stand some of them in good stead for for the future but mm. i don't know i'm that not sure for funner i'll forgive to an extent because he has played well for france before but yeah i'm not, I'm not sure we'll see veritu again i certainly don't think we'll see de Sazi or Camavinga if possible as fullbacks again Mm. And I've said it before, I don't think Granduzzi is international standard. But hmm. I really want him to be because I'm sick of Arsenal fans telling me he's crap because I, I just don't buy that he's crap. But I do agree he has limitations and um, they were they were shown up yesterday, that's for sure. But um, we will keep it positive. We will hope for the best. Uh, of course, we still got Giroud still needs to get his history making goals. So let's hope that that arrives on Sunday and... A couple, uh, couple of goals for Greasy would be lovely as well. But we shall see what happens. Uh, obviously, we'll be back, like I said, next week to go through it all. Um, let's hope for a positive result and a positive performance. Um, and it would be rather nice if Senegal turned up on Sunday night as well. So good luck to them. Uh, almost our French brethren, as it were. But, uh, Jez, thank you very much for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening. As always, like I say, we'll be back next week to go through what happened, good or bad. Let's hope that it's good. So good luck to the boys and we'll speak to you very soon.